A new report documents the regime's loss of territory in southeastern Myanmar. But the problem is now, since they cannot reinforce, they cannot resupply, and then they are losing, and they start using a lot of heavy airstrikes and heavy long-range artillery shells. And fighting is raging in Kachin State. We hear why the military has decided to attack. They know that there is a smooth road logistically, and there's a traffic of the BDF. So they want to block that that road, but uh, so far it was not successful. Plus, we hear about the destruction of religious buildings in this conflict. When they shell on the village, the first thing that got hit uh, usually is the church. But first, we'll have a rundown of this week's news from the Irrawaddy. You're listening to the Irrawaddy Newscast, a transmission of conflict and culture from inside and outside Myanmar. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. Junta boss Minanlaing has purged more members of the regime's state administration council, accusing them of corruption. That comes amid soaring prices and an economy in freefall. The latest to get the axe is Deputy Commerce Minister Nyan Ong. He's been detained for interrogation. This month also saw Trade Chief Mo Myint Tun and Home Affairs Minister So Tun removed from the SAC for corruption. Other recent moves by the junta to aid the economy include a new 10% income tax on those from Myanmar working overseas. In Thailand alone, there are more than 5 million migrant laborers from the country. Earlier this month, the regime introduced a new rule requiring that Myanmar expats remit at least 25% of their foreign currency income through the country's banking system. Last week, I spoke to Dr. Min Min Ta, an economist at Cal State Sacramento, about the causes behind the price increases in Myanmar. I don't think that the arresting the officials will help at all. And here is why. These are the same tactics that the military Honda has used in the past and which were ineffective in the past. And so this is a really systematic problem caused by the military Honda. And the Burmese military has consistently proven their incapability in managing anything effectively. So for me, that as long as the Burmese military remain in control, uh, we can expect the ongoing economic crisis, such as uh, high inflation and you know high unemployment and thus the sluggish economic growth to worsen, really. Political prisoner Min Hein Kant has died of a heart attack at Yangon's insane prison. He was just two years into his 27-year sentence. The 21-year-old was arrested in connection with the 44th Street incident in Yangon, where five young anti-regime activists jumped from a four-story building rather than surrender to authorities. That leap killed two of the five. Fighting has raged in Kachin state for the last few months as junta troops battle the Kachin Independence Army near their headquarters in Liza. Meanwhile, the KIA, which has armed anti-junta fighters since the coup, have had successes in taking regime-held territory. I spoke with Dan Sang-Lon with Kachinland Research Center about the developments. What does control look like in Kachin state? Does the regime basically control the cities and towns, the urban centers, and KIA control the rural areas? Uh, generally speaking, yes. Uh, you, may, you may say so that I think the uh, SEC control the, uh, the urban centers and then 
KIA has more control over the rural area, but um, it's not a not a clear cut configuration. You know, the KIA also have is quite active in Michina as well because um, they have the civilian wing, and then they also um, uh, their civilian administration in the Michina urban center like Michina is quite active in. Their their presence is quite real. So, but um, comparing to before the coup and after uh, after the coup, and then you you see more KIA presence in the in terms of administration in the even in the SEC control area like Michina, Bamo, and the other other you know city. So there isn't clear cut control in the urban areas with so much KIO presence. Until recently, it seems like there hasn't been much fighting, uh, but that's changed. Can you talk about the military situation? Uh, it has to do a lot with the SAC's initiation with uh, trying to recontrol China, China Bamako uh, trading roads and things like that, and then trying to invite Chinese investor, you know, to invest in kitchen steak like Namjim Industrial Zone and things like that. And then uh, there was a clash in the with with the KIA in the Michina uh, Kampaidi Road. I think KIA attacked, but not directly the uh, Chinese envoy, convoy, but uh, it just uh, you know blocked you know the road. And then since then the Tamado uh, launched offenses against the KIA headquarters, Liza. Is that in the surface? I mean. Their claim is that they want to recontrol Namsanyang, which is at the entry entry port of uh, Liza. You know, deep down, actually, they know that this um, there is the a smooth road going on logistically, and uh, there's a traffic of the BDF. You know, <laughs> going from Liza to different parts of uh, Sky and Mugui and those area. So they want to block that that road. That's part of the reason the Tamado launched offensive again uh, against against Liza. But uh, so far, it was not successful. So, in your view, the military operations by the junta are about one guaranteeing Chinese economic access to this region, and two stopping the flow of anti-junta fighters and supplies from Kachin State. It seems like not only has the junta not been successful, but the KIA has been able to take bases that they didn't previously hold. Yeah, the only advantage advantage that the SEC has is like airstrike and things like that. Uh, in terms of fighting forces, uh, uh, it's not like before. The SEC deployed like 10, 10 battalions uh, in order to launch the offense offenses, but uh, I think the KIA and and the uh, Arakan army soldiers um just the sheer number they are much more than like the SAC infantry you know in in those areas. So that's also part of the reason I think. What's the situation for the civilian population? Are there many IDPs? Is there a lack of food or medical supplies? Um, I think food supply is blocked because now the Michina Bamoro, I think, is like is completely shut. You know, you cannot really travel. You cannot really transport goods and things like that. And and then it's extremely difficult for the Bamoro 
for more denizens to travel to Michina because they have to like uh, go to Mandalay to come to Michina. So it was like the reverse, you know, and then rising, rising prices. Where do you see things heading in this conflict? I would say that uh, there will be more fighting coming, you know, in in Michina Putao Road along Michina Putao Road. I think I I see at least this year more conflict, more armed conflicts and armed clashes will continue in Kitchen State, and I don't think the conflict here will subside. From the Tamado side, I think uh, they try to de-escalate the conflict in the Michina more areas. Probably they might be willing to withdraw some of their forces in that area, but uh, the GIA will accept it or not. That's, that's, uh, that's difficult to fathom. That was Dan Sang Lawn with the Kachinland Research Center. A new report by the Korean Peace Support Network details the regime's steady loss of control in southeastern Myanmar since the coup. That's a result of offensives by the Korean National Liberation Army and its allies. The regime has lost 62 military camps and 370 schools. Those schools are now governed by the Korean National Union's Education Department. I spoke with Wakushi with the Korean Peace Support Network about their findings. How has life changed on the ground as the junta has lost territory? So actually, if you look at uh, the, the area, the map now that have been lost, like along the Salui River, uh, in terms of the civilian, like people before, uh, when there was the military camps, you know, even the people, not only civilian, even like uh, uh, business people who are using the, the boats and constantly heavy uh, interrupted by the, you know, the SEC. Sometimes like the boat have been to fire and then sometimes there has been to, uh, robbed. And uh, now people can travel freely without any base, without any fear. But uh, the problem is now to, they are using, since they cannot reinforce, they cannot resupply and then they are losing. And they start using, after the coup, they use a lot of uh, heavy airstrikes and uh, heavy uh, long-range artillery shells. That uh, costs uh, more. That has caused more uh, displacement because they are targeting civilian infrastructure in, like school, churches, uh, hospital, uh, monastery. So this this way, it's a uh, yeah the the increased number of the internally displaced uh, people. What are some of the challenges people are facing in this corner of Myanmar? Uh, especially for the internally displaced people, in terms of the food supplies, because uh, people are not. They could not, uh, due to the airstrikes and uh, heavy artillery shelly, they cannot do farming like uh, freely, like before. Actually, like uh, we uh, rely on mainly on farming now, especially the correct people. But uh, due to the, you know, the the, the heavy shelly into the farming areas, the villagers uh, targeted the infrastructure, then uh, people have to hide, uh, you know, like uh, mostly in the, in the jungle. And then they also have uh, uh, houses in the village where they go back and check on their animals because uh, at night time, uh, people dare not to sleep in the village. And also that interrupt their, you know, their uh, daily uh, livelihood uh, uh, survivors. So in that case, uh, they are now in need of uh, humanitarian assistance.
And now for a report on the war against the junta, the latest news from the ongoing conflict. Resistance fighters have killed at least 42 regime forces and allied militia members in the last week or so of clashes. In Zagang, 19 children and a teacher were injured after a junta shell landed on a monastic school. Regime soldiers surrounded and killed 24 resistance fighters in Myong Township, and junta troops beheaded three residents in Palais Township. In the Mandalay region, People's Defense Force fighters seized a junta base in Mogok Township. In Mon State, an urban resistance group killed five soldiers guarding a Miawati Bank branch. And a new report by the United Nations says the military launched nearly 1,000 airstrikes since the coup. In the last year, those strikes increased by over 300% in central regions of the country. The Irrawaddy collected the following reports from People's Defense Force and Ethnic Armed Organization sources. You can find more at the Irrawaddy's website in the section called War Against the Junta. The civilian death toll in Myanmar since the February 2021 coup stands at 4,131. That's according to the Assistance Association for Political Prisoners. I'm walking in what remains of Tontlong in Chin State. The biggest church in this town is in ruins. Junta soldiers and resistance groups started fighting here soon after the coup. For one member of the Chinland Defense Forces, a dominant anti-Hunta group, this destroyed church is just the latest, albeit more visible, form of religious persecution in the state. They, they always try to uh, religiously and politically, culturally, everything they, they want to destroy. I mean, not on the, the outside, but in deep inside. Most people don't see, but in reality, they want to destroy everything. Tsalai Zauk Lin from the Chin Human Rights Organization agrees. He says even during Myanmar's democratic period, led by the National League for Democracy, Chin Christians felt depressed. You know, the pattern um, is quite visible even during the time of the NLD government. Only it is less visible on the surface, but all the discriminatory policies that enables this kind of uh, violations against religious minorities, especially uh, Chin Christians in the context of Chin State, uh, continue to exist. Discriminatory policies, he says, like regulations around building and recognizing churches. Now Chin Christians have to worry about their churches being bombed. A new report by his organization says 95 churches and religious buildings in Chin State have been damaged since the coup. When they shell on the village, the first thing that got hit uh, usually is the church. So it caused damage to the, uh, the churches, uh, but they didn't burn. But then the soldiers would then come in physically and started burning the churches. The apparent targeting of churches isn't just happening in Chin State. David Eubank with the Free Burma Rangers sees the military target churches in Kian Kayin states often. A church that I've also been to, 500-pound bomb directly dropped on the church. The church is empty. People have fled that village. It's Mackinac Village in Duplia District, Korean State. Direct hit from 500-pound bomb. The whole thing is on fire. I mean, we're just seeing a report out on that. And that is different than before. Before, they would sometimes burn a church, sometimes bomb a church. But not now. It's consistent. He says most residents in areas of fighting are holding services outside of their church because they're scared of it getting hit. 
But that tally of destroyed religious buildings by the Chin Human Rights Organization doesn't only include Christian structures. At least four Buddhist monasteries have also been damaged, mostly by shelling. And elsewhere in the country, monasteries aren't always the safe haven they've historically been during conflict. This year, at least 22 people, including three monks, were killed at a monastery in southern Shan State. Resistance groups blame the military for that massacre. Tsai Zhaouk Lin says destroying religious centers takes more than a material toll. It has a psychological dimension to it, you know, causing as much pain as possible to the communities. Because once people lost their church in the village, breakdown of a sense of you know, community or, or, or protection. And once peace returns, one of the first things those in Chin State and elsewhere will do is rebuild these important centers for their community. You've been listening to the Your Wadi Newscast. You can find links to the stories mentioned here in the show notes, as well as a way to support the Your Wadi's reporting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.